Hi, and welcome to Yes Please, your go-to podcast for all things sexuality, pleasure, and orgasms. I've named this podcast Yes Please because that's how I want you to feel about all things sex, pleasure, and orgasms. Yes, please, and more. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here and that you want to learn more about how to experience more shameless pleasure, deeper satisfaction, and ecstatic orgasms in your life and sexuality. And I hope to inspire you to feel that you can embrace and celebrate your sexuality all throughout your life journey. This podcast isn't just about sex and sex education, however, it's about so much more. Personal growth, living a radiant and confident and authentic life, radical joy and expression, and general fucking goodness. I'm your host, Erica Alsborn, and I'm a sexuality teacher and expert, sex and birth coach, but you can think of me more as your BFF, who you love to talk to about sex and all the intimate things you don't feel comfortable talking about with anyone else. I celebrate the vast and diverse human, erotic, and sexual experience, and I embody a deep shamelessness when it comes to sex in all its different expressions. However, having said that, I am a straight, able-bodied, cisgendered woman, and in my work I specialize in female sexuality, and I work with women with pussies, and while I have a broad and liberal approach to sex and a very extensive training, my knowledge is limited by my own lived experience as well as the focus in my professional work. But I hope you'll learn lots here with me, expand your idea of what sex is and can be and mean for you, and even though I'm an expert on this topic, I'm not an authority. Everything I share is always a suggestion, not a must, so take what resonates and leave the rest behind. I'm always open to receiving your constructive feedback, so don't hesitate to reach out if you have any. Okay, hi and welcome again. I'm delighted that you're here, and now let's dive into today's topic. Welcome back to another lovely interview and guest episode. Today I'm speaking with Faith Laux and I can't think of a better word to describe her than like a pleasure warrioress. And when you listen to the episode, you'll understand why I choose to describe her with those two words because she's definitely been fighting something, right? And and in her case, this is cancer and healing. But she chose to do it in a slightly different way, including and infusing pleasure and sexuality and eroticism into her healing and using pleasure as medicine. So that's what our conversation is about today. It's a beautiful one. It's very, very moving, touching. It's very intimate. And if you've been touched by cancer in any way, either personally or through a friend or a family member going through it, this is going to feel extra intimate and vulnerable for you. It did for me. My mother had cancer 20 plus years ago, and it was very, very special for me to hear Faith talk about her cancer journey, her ongoing healing and her approach to to life and healing. Um, I hope this conversation will be beneficial to you and whatever challenge you go through in life, pleasure can be your ally. So let faith inspire you to um, really like think about that and consider that. And also want to give you a bit of backstory who Faith is. So Faith is a somatic sex, love and relationship coach. And I know Faith because we did the same coaching program and I was a program director and teacher in the program when she was a student. 
So that's Leila Martin's Vita Coaching Program. And Faith does transformational coaching that helps clients reconnect to the wisdom, intuition, and enchantment of their body so that they are empowered to thrive sexually. She helps her clients prioritize their pleasure and delight in their sexual energy. And like I mentioned, in this conversation, we talk about Faith's journey with cancer healing. And so in May of 2022, she received her cancer diagnosis, stage four colon cancer. And since then, she has been adding pleasure as a healing modality alongside her treatments to help her thrive and enjoy life on an otherwise grueling journey. Faith has additional experience with shamanic healing and emotional empowerment, which she weaves into her offerings. She's a mother, artist, wife, teacher, and adventurer, and she seeks to normalize the conversation around sexuality, cancer, and desire. And I definitely think we succeeded with that in this conversation. And I feel like she's a carrier of light or like a really important messenger for this and light bringer. Um, for this topic. So yeah, so enjoy this conversation. Faith is an incredible human woman. She speaks just so beautifully, elegantly, poetically, and talking to her was a, was a, was a true pleasure for me. And I hope it's a pleasure for you to listen. Here we go. Hi, Faith. Welcome. Thank you. Hi. It's lovely being with you here today. And, um, I'm so glad that you reached out to me and asked to be a guest on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And so please share a little bit about yourself and why you're here. Yeah, thank you. So my name is Faith Laux, and I'm also a sex, love, and relationships coach trained by Layla Martin, our shared teacher, and <laughs> avid devotee of your work as well. And what you're putting out into the world is just absolutely on point. And so I reached out to you because, you know, in this world of sex education, there's a little niche that emerged for me last, last year that um, doesn't get talked about very much, but that a lot of people um, interface with, and that's sexuality and cancer. Um, and, and it could even be bigger than sexuality and cancer, sexuality and a long-term medical diagnosis you know, that's just debilitating for people to work through. Um, and how does that interact with the erotic, you know, and, and their partnership or by themselves? Um, so I've been on my own healing journey for the past three quarters of a year or so, you know, geared around this. And, and I think it's an important conversation to bring up and to be able to bring to the light and offer some some guidance, some wisdom, some openings. I'm hoping that through this conversation, people can see themselves and be like, oh, oh, and just spark ideas and possibilities where before there might not have been any. Yeah. Well, I am so grateful that you are here. And obviously I immediately, well, not obviously, but I was immediately positive and jumped uh, on the, on the offer and uh, said, yes, absolutely. Because I 100% agree because we are sexual throughout our you know lifespan until the day we die, if we choose to be so do so, we're inevitably going to face challenges in life, right? Whether it's our own illness or someone else's illness of a dear, a partner, a husband, a wife, a loved ones, a child, even, you know, grief, loss, death, unemployment, all of the things, right? And sexuality and eroticism can be 
well, it will follow you. Your sexuality and your eroticism or lack of will follow you through that experience. And so it is really important to talk about it. And I had a wonderful woman called Jen on the podcast a few months ago talking about breast cancer and her experience with that. So it's already, um, it, it's been on my radar and it's something that I think about as well. And I am really, really looking forward to diving into this conversation and see where where it brings us and what perspectives and insights. And also you're an amazing person. So how it's, you know, mm-hmm. how you're moving through this challenge and this experience in your life uh, and what learnings and what inspiration you have to share with us. So I'm just going to like say freestyle, go for it. Like, (laughs) 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 Um, you know, like don't hold back, don't censor yourself uh, and share what feels right for you to share. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, sort of set some context for listeners as to how this came about and the meaning that I've made of it since my diagnosis and sort of the journey that I've been on, which has been very linked to sexuality the whole way through. So at the end of May, 2022, um, I got a colonoscopy (laughs) at the ripe young age of 40 um, because I'd had issues, just pain for like a year and a half in my abdomen. And I didn't know why. And I was like, is it diet? Is it it's got to be diet. Is it irritable bowel? Is it Crohn's? I don't know. Something's going on, but nothing shifted with diet changes. And so finally I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this. And, um, and I learned that it was cancer and that was so not on my radar, Erica. It wasn't even a fear of mine. Like I was going into the colonoscopy, like, oh, you're just going to tell me I have, you know, diverticulitis. I don't know. know, Like, yeah, yeah, like it was not on my radar. So when he said that I was just floored. Um, And that period of time when you learn that you have this dark thing called cancer, that first like window of time is pretty agonizing and overwhelming. I was recently listening to a woman uh, who has healed herself of stage four cancer talk on a podcast about the importance of taking time Mm. to grieve and to process before jumping into action. Because most of these cancers are slow growing. They've taken years to develop and to metastasize and to kind of like infiltrate the body. So you don't need to jump immediately into the Western gauntlet of urgency because there's a lot to feel. And so making space for the grief, making space for the wailing, for the unknown, for the fear, for the, oh my God, am I never going to see my daughter grow up? What the fuck? Like this was not in my life plan. Like I'm a healthy, vibrant woman. Why, why is this here? And, um, there's an invitation, I think for us to, in that, in that beginning phase to really pause and give ourselves the space to feel and give ourselves the space to, to be up in the middle of the night with anxiety and comfort ourselves, you know, and call in, call in the resources that we know to call in to, to bring that sense of soothing to a extremely ragged nervous system. That's just so activated and like, Oh my God, I'm on the precipice of death. Like, you know, it's really easy to spin into this dark drama of um, despair, you know, that is like just sort of hovering in the wings. And so letting it in and letting it be felt and letting it be felt in the presence of other people, of other loved ones was really big. And I think that that's an important piece of 
the healing at the beginning is just like allowing yourself to process it and be with the muchness of it before moving into the, or maybe simultaneously it can happen at the same time, but it's, it's an intense period. I, I'm just sitting with it. And before we move on, so what I'm hearing you say, it's like, it's almost like allowing the cancer to move into your life, like mm, yeah. allowing it to move into your family. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, I thought there were only three of us living under this roof. Yeah. Now there's four. Like, yeah, there's yeah. another entity yeah. here and letting it move in and kind of getting to know all your reactions to it and also letting other people have reactions to it and let them integrate before you all get into doing mode right yeah if it's a you know if if the, if there's a call for urgency i mean obviously you know right yeah but if but like you say if there isn't then mm-hmm. letting it really slowly move in and you integrate your initial reaction and response to it I think will, and I'm guessing you will share this, will help you in the in in dealing with the marathon of the process. Yeah. That yeah, well said. Well said. It really is a new family member. Cancer has such a um an energetic resonance to it, you know, that for somebody like me who hasn't had a close family member with it, I had I had not engaged with cancer at all in my life, you know, up until that point in terms of my own education or experience of it. But the word is so heavy, <laughs> and add add stage four to that, and it gets even heavier. So it is part of us. It's part. It's in our body. You're absolutely right. And so, sort of taking the time to say, "Oh my gosh, hello, welcome." what are you here to teach me? What is, what's going on? What's your wisdom? Like my body created you. There's, there's some reason. I don't think our bodies are, are, are here to work against us. Our bodies are healing machines. Like they're here to regenerate and to be healthy. And so, you know, the cancer is here for a reason. Okay, body, what's up? Like, why are, why, why are you creating this? What message do you have for me? And even if it feels like an intruder, because in a way it kind of, it depends mm-hmm. on how you see it, right? But in a way, mm-hmm. it's like it's not like you an- announce like, "Hey, um, vacant room, <laughs> like move mm-hmm. into, mm-hmm. <laughs> move into our family. Mm-hmm. We're looking for." Yeah. So it, in a way, it intrudes and it interferes, but nonetheless, it is there, right? It is yeah. part of the family. It is part of your life. Yeah. It is part of your body. Uh, and regardless of your uh, belief about disease or you know meaning in those kinds of things, it is it exists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that there's, when I think about healing, I think about integration, I think about wholeness. And to me, cancer in, in my body has sort of manifested the meaning that I've put up, put up, put onto it is that it manifested as this isolated shadow part of myself that was not getting the attention, the affection, the nourishment, the, the, um, love and connection that it needed. So it was just this sort of dark, isolated, unintegrated part of me and, and being able to just say, Oh, you're there. I see you. Okay. And, and connect to it and move with it as opposed to just like, this is an intruder. I have to cut it out get it out, you know, yeah. purge it from my system. Like, yeah, we might have to cut it out, 
and do some good purging. Um, and there's also other layers of healing that get to get activated. And, and so I worked with a, a coach who studies German new medicine. I really was interested in getting to sort of like, what is the, what's the root of this? You know, like, why, why did this cancer, this particular cancer show up in my body? And in German new medicine, the idea is basically that um, all issues with the body are related to a conflict that we weren't able to fully process. And so the body does its best to process it in different ways. And sometimes that turns into acne. Sometimes that turns into uh, vertigo. Sometimes that turns into cancer. Um, and so we looked back into my history and we did this 30 page intake questionnaire that was so intense. It was like the most intense adult homework I've had in a long time, you know, inventorying, uh, all aspects of who I am, including my trauma story, you know? And one of the questions was list your traumas in chronological order. <laughs> it's like, uh, I'm going to save that for the last, last one. I'm going to answer everything else. And it's not like I'm walking around with big T traumas in my history. I'm not, I'm, I'm walking around with, with the same shit that everybody walks around with in terms of, you know, like life experience as a human. And, and it was still an intimidating one. And I finally got to it and we went back in time to about when the, you know, the, the tumor would be, would be growing. And just, just to note within this, this healing methodology, when the body registers pain, that's actually the body shifting into the healing phase. So mm -hmm. out of conflict, out of trauma into healing, which is not quite the paradigm that most of us think of like pain. is like, Oh, there's a problem. Something's wrong. I've got to fix it. Like, Oh, there's pain. I'm healing. Like wow. my body is attending to this thing. And so we went we went back in time to before the pain started. The pain started coincidentally right when I I began my my Vita training. So as soon as I really dived into the the, the healing container of our program, that's when the pain started, which I don't think is a coincidence. And for anyone who doesn't know Vita, so Leila Martin's sex, love, and relationship coaching program is called Vita Vita Coaching. Her methodology and her school, I think the school is called the Vita Institute. I'm not sure. Yeah. But the whole that's Vita. That's Layla's Layla Martin's coaching context. For yeah. Those who don't know. That is uh, in, an interesting um, synchronicity or coincidence. Definitely something worth taking note of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was helpful to be like, oh, the pain is not you have to go back further than the pain to see what was going on in your life to generate the pain to begin with. And um, that takes us back to when our daughter was about one years old and, um, I was weaning her. And so I stopped breastfeeding and noticed, Oh my gosh, I've got all of this energy coming back to me. My life force is no longer getting sucked out of me. It's, it's staying here. And my libido just was like, Oh, I'm back. Like my desire came back. And I was just like, I just felt like I was, you know, in heat in a different way. And, um, I was interacting with an acquaintance of mine, a professional acquaintance of mine at a conference. And, um, we were, we were sharing about our lives and I knew he was going through some tough times and was sharing about a, a divorce and coming out as bisexual to his conservative Catholic family. And, and I was like, Oh gosh, that's, that's a lot to be dealing with. And, and there was a part of me when I heard that he said bisexual, I was like, oh, 
oh, well, then he might be interested in a threesome with my husband and I. Mm. And like my brain just was, it was like it bifurcated in that moment. Like one moment was like kind, concern, compassion for this lovely human who was, you know, going through this intense process. And then this other part of me was like, I find you to be extremely attractive and you just said you're bisexual. So let's make something happen. <laughs> Which is like totally out of character for me. Like I, I. I've never had a threesome with two men. Like it's a fantasy of mine, but, but like all of a sudden, like my body was like ready for it. My imagination was ready for it. And I think the fact that I had just spent the last year in the gauntlet of, you know, newborn phase was sort of like, okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm ready to shake that period off and enter something else. And I just felt so buoyed by the possibility that that could happen that that kind of sexual rich experience could, could exist and could potentially be something that I get to experience. And, um, I brought it up to my husband and his response was hell no, Hmm. absolutely not. And I was like, wait, 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 what? Like, huh? Really? Really? Yeah, no, hell no. Like hard no. And, and a lot of shame, a lot of like, how could you want that? And I'm not, I'm not open to that. And, and, and I remember the conversation that we had sort of the mic drop moment for me was declaring, well, basically saying like, look, I don't want the best sex of my life to be behind me. And at the rate that we're going as a couple, it is. And, and so that was really the genesis, like the low point from which everything else was born. Um, (laughs) That was the beginning of me starting to study sexuality and put energy and attention into that aspect of my life. for myself and as a couple Um, and to really follow my intuition that there's healing to be had in this realm of sexuality. There's, there's, there's something I'm on a hunt. Like all of us are on our own different versions of the hero's journey and this quest for our own particular flavor of life to, to find what it is that we're looking for. And I just sort of had this, you know, my blood, my bloodhound was like, (laughs) Like there's something there. There's something really juicy and rich and vital in this realm of sexuality that you need to hunt down faith. And so that's, that's where the hunt began. And, um, that's also where the, so it was like two things were happening at once. On the one hand, I had this like beautiful flower of desire that like halfway blossomed or blossomed and then got smushed and covered up with shame and darkness. And no, we don't do that. We're not going to do that. That's not appropriate or available. And then this other part of me is like, okay, so that's not, but like what else is? And so I started to open into being able to integrate different practices into my life that were satisfying and opening and pleasurable. And I want to bring this part to a close because I think this is a pretty good ending point. But but this idea of, ah, okay. So there's actually one more piece here. So in the coaching session, we looked at, what is the genesis of colon cancer? And that's the kind of cancer that I have. Um, And colon cancer is sort of boiled down to the energetics of an undigestible morsel. So like something has happened to you in your life that you just can't digest. Um, And so your body throws all these cells at it to try to help you digest it, but the cells end up just creating a blockage and proliferating and cancer. And for me, the meaning that I made was, oh, there's a morsel on the table over there and it's called a threesome with these two men and I cannot digest it. Mm. I cannot eat that morsel that I really want to eat. 
it is not available to me. And so it was sort of like the inverse of an undigestible morsel. It's not like something happened that I couldn't process. It's something that didn't happen that I couldn't process. And so since then, I've just been on this journey of, um, of really looking at like, okay, well, how can I, how can I live with a sense of satisfaction and a sense of like lusciousness and fullness even if I don't get exactly what it is that I want, what can, what is available to me? Like what of this menu of possibilities of pleasure and sexuality, what is available and how can I play within, within this space? So that's, that's the full circle Mm. piece of that, that I wanted to share. Mm. Thank you for sharing. And I, I think a lot of people listening can relate to the feeling of either expressing or not even daring to express a sexual desire to a long-term partner, a husband, a wife, and it being met with rejection, right? Mm-hmm. Or also being the one who rejects, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, for various different reasons. Um, and so there's so much like humility around that, humble humility and compassion around that. And what you did was you didn't just implode and then bury your sexuality and say, okay, then, well, then I'll, I'll guess I just will accept that the best sex of my life is behind me to maintain peace. And, you know, as a coping mechanism and to protect yourself from further discomfort, but instead you started to lean into it and explore it. And so after the integration of cancer moving into your home and after doing this exploration with, um, is it new German medicine or German Mm -hmm. new German? It's funny. I just came across that like literally two days ago and I was like, what? This is fascinating. Yeah, it (laughs) is. Yeah. It's not like, Oh, the new thing that's going to solve all my problems, but like just a new perspective on things. Exactly. Yeah. Really fascinating. And so you did that. You, you, Cancer moved in. You did that exploration, and then, uh, and then what? What happened? And what? Where are we now in the timeline? And how does sexuality and eroticism become part of your medicine during yeah. this healing journey that you're on? Well, following the new German medicine um, meant you know idea that pain is when the healing has begun. The pain started when I started doing the deeper personal work on my own sexuality, my own sexual history, and, you know, being able to go into my somatic body and really attune to what was going on and being felt, um, which was something that I hadn't really, really ever done before. And so I spent a year and a half training, you know, to be this sort of, uh, sexual Jedi is what comes to my mind, you know, like, (laughs) Here we are, like in the swamps, like training with energy and flowing through our pussies. And I can remember it's like, you know, when I first started training with Layla as a student, not even as to be a coach, but but she would say the word pussy so, <laughs> so like, like casually. And I was like, oh my God, every time she said it, oh my God, she said it again, pussy. <laughs> And um, it's like Mufasa, yeah, yeah, like Voldemort, like he shall not be named. Like, oh my God, how could she be saying it so casually? Um, and so it just sort of was, it's like a, a fun snapshot of where I was in my development at the beginning of this journey. Like still, I mean, sex has always been something that fascinated me and that I wanted to talk about. Like when I was a girl, 
riding horses with my friend through the woods in South Florida growing up. Um, that's what we would talk about boys and kissing and, you know, all the sexual things that that we were doing and wanting to do. And like, it was, it was, it's just part of what makes life fun, you know, and always has been. I mean, life revolves around sex. I mean, let's stop <laughs> kidding ourselves. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, like we are. Yeah. People who say that sexuality isn't a drive, you obviously are not connected to your rotted, you know, sense and you have not yeah. understood why there are 7 billion people on this planet. <laughs> <laughs> Counting, right? And also, you know, yes, you know, uh, birth rates are dropping and stuff. And so there's culture as well, you know, but just like it's it's a drive. It's what it's it's what has always driven people to do the most crazy and miraculous things and write the beautifulest poetry and create the most amazing art and you know <sighs> sacrifice yeah. Yeah. all the things and and life just simply revolves around sex and intimacy and romance and eroticism and all those things and also you know if you if you believe it in a way but this takes us a little bit off track but it just made me think of it i just heard this um the other day and it's so beautiful it's just like our our drive our motivation to feel whole and in in sexuality and especially male female sexuality it's one of the experiences human physical like in the flesh experiences where we feel so whole right because mm -hmm. we are literally united mm -hmm. physically right mm -hmm. and so come on <laughs> <laughs> yes yes and so I mean kind of building on that um when I got my diagnosis I you know I was like there was this period of despair but then there was the period of like okay so I'm processed I've 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 grieved I have gone into the darkness and now I'm kind of peeking my head out to the other side to see like what what does this journey look like for me what do I want it to look like I think um when we're working with, with Western medicine, um, it's easy to just sort of like, <laughs> I have this image of like, you know, a sub going up to her dom and being like, okay, take care of me. Like, what do I need to do? I, I give myself up to you. Like I have no volition anymore. I'm all yours. Like that sort of is the, is the implied relationship between doctor and patient in, in the Western medical industrial complex. Um, For sure. and and so just knowing that, knowing that that was going to be, you know, part of the process, I was like, uh, uh, I think I want to take a little bit more conscious control over this and, and do things, do things my way, you know, all the, do things that, that feel right to me. And, and so I've, I've had a, I kind of feel like an octopus, like a tentacle, not a foot. Like I don't have two feet. I have a tentacle, like eight of them in different worlds. And so I am, you know, I did do surgery. I am doing chemo. I'm also, my, my tentacles are actively exploring and attuned to like, oh, what other healing is out there? And, and I knew early on, I was like, okay, I've got to, <laughs> I've got to get to Layla Martin's in-person retreat in Costa Rica. Like I need to do that before I start chemo. I need that as like my reset of, um, like really rooting into pleasure, anchoring it in my body in a way that sets me up for 
a healing journey that um, that really pairs pleasure right alongside the fuckery of chemotherapy because it is massive fuckery on everything in your body. Um, and that was a fantastic decision. I'm so glad that I decided to go to Costa Rica because like I wasn't going to go for a long time. I was like, oh, no, I will be recovering from surgery. I couldn't possibly, I couldn't possibly. How could I lift my luggage to put it above, you know, the airplane? I can't. Oh, I couldn't. Like, no, you can ask somebody to help you lift your fucking luggage, Faith. Get your ass to Costa Rica and and go touch yourself and feel pleasure in community with women and get and 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 really allow yourself to bathe in the healing waters of pleasure. And so that experience and that experience, it wasn't one, the, the layered experience of that event really allowed me to set myself up for what I would say huge success to be able to, um, to pair this, this grueling chemotherapy journey with pleasure, you know, and with, and it's not just pleasure. I'm not just saying like, you know, self-pleasure once a week or, you know, whatever the thing is, it's like, it's, I'd say it's bigger P pleasure, like big, like if, like the pleasure of, of life, you know, and the pleasure of, I'll, I'll add this to it. I think part of my, my healing that's been unfolding is the pleasure of being able to speak honestly with my husband about my desires, even when he has no interest in fulfilling them, but they're not shameful anymore. They're not relegated to the closet into the darkness. Like they're open. They can breathe. They can be seen and heard and felt and witnessed and that ability, I mean, so again, circling back to integration as healing, like the ability for me to have these parts of myself that in the past would have been relegated to the shadows be available to be seen and loved and accepted. Like we don't have to act on them, but the fact that they're accepted and, and there's not a sense of judgment or I mean, it also, especially for myself, like for me to release my own judgment and shame around it and, and just embrace, you know, the beautiful manifestation of my particular sexuality has been huge. And so I was reflecting last night, like I've, <laughs> I've gone through eight rounds of chemo so far and, um, and my libido is just as high as it ever was. And that's pretty unusual from talking to people going through chemo. I mean, it is a very debilitating process. And so the ability to take, to take a sense of ownership and control over our healing journey and not just submit to what the big they say uh, has been really, really, really rewarding. Fuck yes. (laughs) (laughs) And what I'm hearing you say, it's like you, in a way, it was you made a conscious decision to uh, look at what is my, uh, what is my identity now? It's like once, once that diagnosis arrived into your life and you grieved, and I love what um, Kimberly Ann Johnson says. She says, when you don't, what, what isn't grieved become grievance. Mm-hmm. And so you see people who are, you know, have gone through challenging things, but they haven't grieved it. 
they're not alive, even though they have healed the thing, right? Like they're, you, you see, like you can tell, you can tell, like, why aren't, aren't you happy that you're alive? But if, if the grief is still sitting in the system, right, it's, it's an, it's a never ending heavy grievance. And so you were able yeah. to process that. And I am assuming it's also an ongoing process because mm-hmm. there are losses along the way and yeah, absolutely. Right. So it's not like yeah. a one-stop shop, like, okay, I'm done. Right. You know, it's interesting because like, I'm thinking about contexts for grief and being able to curate healing, grieving contexts for ourselves, you know, like who are the people in our lives that, that we would like to hold us in the heaviness. And like, it brings tears to my eyes right now, just thinking about like, oh, that, that friend of mine, that new friend of mine that I'm in the process of, you know, developing this, this friendship with like, huh, it would be a really good person to hold me as I cry. And just let this out, you know, like this new layer of grief, like you said, it doesn't go away, you know, like the grief, the grief actually is like, I see it as this renewing emotion, you know, like it is the, it is that fertile rain that that needs to be shed in order for something new to grow in its place. Um, And so it's a constant, it's a constant thing. And I just, I think that it's not something that we think about necessarily, like how, like, you know, watching that sad movie that, you know, just makes you ball. Like that's a good thing. You know, grief, grief washes us clean and, um, is, is just a really potent emotion. you're right. That just, I think is, is quite under celebrated, under used, under honored in our world right now. Yeah, I think we're definitely grief deprived uh, as a yeah. culture. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, my experiences in other, living in other countries and cultures like um, Sub Saharan Africa, Southern India, and seeing funerals and witnessing grief, how it's a cultural experience and expressed. I never want to. <laughs> I never want to go to a funeral in the West again. It's the most, it's, it's yeah. more horrible than the actual death. Right. Because yeah. of how, how we do, how we do, how we, how we actually to all cost avoid grief in the West yeah. because we think it will consume us and kill us, but it's actually right. quite the contrary. Uh, yeah. So you moved through that initial stage of grief and then you were able to come through it and actually see and think like, okay, how do I want to do this? Do I just want to submit myself to the doctors and like the Western medicine and just, you know, let them fuck me or like, fuck me, like without any sort of like. <laughs> have your way with me. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and be submissive in, in not the erotic, kinky, highly, deeply satisfactory way, but like in the. <laughs> Right. <laughs> in, in the people yeah. pleasing way. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, lacking autonomy and yeah. any sense yeah. of integrity and choice. And so you made that decision and then you looked at, okay, so I'm, and you were already on a sexual journey. So that was obviously part of what you were already exploring consciously and mindfully and, 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 you know, studying and so on. But you, you looked at, you looked at life and you said, okay, do I want to, like assume the identity of a dying person or do I want to enroll the identity of like pleasure and, and goodness and use that as part of my, um, as part of the compass 
for how to mm-hmm. navigate this? I mean, I think cancer is not a blessing in and of itself, but what we do with a diagnosis of cancer can be. And how we how we take this dance with death into a deeper ability to live life. Yeah. Um, it has definitely, I mean, coming this close to my own mortality before this, I was just like, of course I'm healthy. I'm going to live till I'm who knows how old, like, doesn't matter. I'm living now status quo. Let's just keep on keeping on. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, wait, wait, what die me? What? Yeah. And, and really kind of clean house, like only allow the things in that, that spark joy, only allow the experiences, the clothes, the thoughts. I mean, I think that, that that's a really important piece, a layer of healing is like, where do we, where are we training our mind to go mm-hmm. and our thoughts? Because if they're constantly going in the direction of fear and recurrence and relapse and oh my God, and darkness and doom and despair, um, that's sending those chemicals into our body, you know, to, to do, to do with what they will. And I'd rather send chemicals of hope and love and and desire and pleasure and, and, um, satisfaction. So that's been, you know, being conscious of what I'm thinking, being conscious of what I'm eating and putting into my body, whether it be like mental, physical, um, is, is definitely something that I'm more height, like more aware of now than I ever was before. Yeah. Facing your own mortality is a thing, right? And I, I stumbled across uh, Stoicism as a life philosophy uh, a while back, and they have this like um, this amor fati and memento mori concept. Uh, amor fati meaning that um, you make the best of what happens, and you treat every moment as something to be embraced. And so that's that. It's kind of like seize the day, whatever you know that kind of thing. But then they have this other thing called memento mori, which is um, that you actually keep an object and you meditate on an object that reminds you of the inevitability of your own death and mortality. And they say mm. they say meditate on your death every day, yeah. meditate on your mortality every day because yeah. it will it will it will inevitably and and in, in inexplicable ways, change who you are and the decisions that you make and the choices you make. Mm-hmm. If you think about that, your, your, your death every day, then you're going to, something's going to shift. And so you were forced to think about it because mm-hmm. of the cancer and then staring at your own mortality, staring it right in the, right into the brown eye, honestly. Right. <laughs> I know. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I was like, I hope she says ass. I that's will, the- you know me. <laughs> <laughs> How could I not? <laughs> um, <laughs> and I love you for finding that funny. <laughs> <laughs> but like how that changed you and how that made you go. Okay, life. Let's see. Let's see how pleasurable it can be. Let's mm-hmm. see how honest I can be. Let's see mm-hmm. how rich it can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well done. <laughs> Just summarizing. I mean, I was like, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's a little crazy, but I am 
far happier now than I was before the cancer diagnosis. Wow. Like I feel like, oh, my life is mine. I get to do with it what I fucking want. What do I want? Oh, great. Let's make that happen. Um, Whereas before it sort of felt like just going along with the status quo and like, okay, I've got a business. I got to hustle. I got to do these things. I got all these shoulds like spinning around in this. I feel like I'm I'm imagining myself being in a, a dryer with dryer balls bonking into me, like just sort of like doing the things that need to be done and kind of getting tossed around. And, and now I sort of feel like, Oh, okay. More laser focused and clear on what matters, what feels good and doing more of that and cultivating a life of um, like a delicious life that I'm excited about that. I look forward to that. I feel fulfilled by, you know, I think that there's a lot of hope in this realm of, having cancer and learning how to, um, how to navigate your way through this system in a way that feels empowering to the person who's going through it. And there's another piece that I'd like to bring in, which is the immense power of community, uh, through something like this early on, I started writing right before my surgery. I wrote an email to family and friends. I just kind of went through my email list and was like, I need all these people to know what I'm going through and to be with me in prayer and spirit, because I was feeling really like just still in a state of shock. I, I, I didn't give, give myself as long of a period of grief and processing as I think I would have liked to have given myself and reaching out to them and saying like, these are the prayers that I want you to hold for me, please. You know, this is, this is what I'm, I'm looking to manifest in this surgery and in this process. And then I just kept writing to my people and they would write emails back that were just so beautiful and things about things about themselves that I never would have known, you know, medical issues that they had like people with cancer in my, in my life that I didn't know had cancer because they didn't share it and they went through it alone. And And so I've just been journaling to this ever expanding group of, of loved ones and receiving their support, asking for what I need. This is a group. It can be, it doesn't have to be a lot of people do this alone. And I feel sad about that, but it doesn't, you don't have to go through this alone. You know, you can harness the power of the tribe around you to to hold you in different ways at different times, you know, to make meals for you, to go grocery shopping for you, to pick up that prescription medicine that you're too nauseous to get in the car and go get. Watch your kid for the afternoon to tell you what they like about you and buoy your spirits to rub your feet. You know, a friend of mine early on, when I, when I shared about this, she said like, Faith, you're not the only one going through this. We're all going through cancer with you. Like it is all of us have cancer. All of us are healing cancer with you in this. And, and so there's just this profound sense of support and connection that I think is so vital to a process like this, um, to be able to, to know that we matter enough to receive this support and to ask for these things. I mean, it's, it's so humbling. And now is the time to just, assume all the goodwill and accept the abundance of, um, of richness that, that our, our communities, our tribes, this, this fellow humanity has for us, this goodness. I think that's, and it sounds strange 
to say it, but my initial feeling was that's so courageous, but does it, should it be like, should that be courageous? But it, I, I think it is. I think it's courageous to think that um, you can, um, yeah, re- receive that and share that. And I think it's the most human thing. Like we're, we're definitely wired for connection and community and tribe. And so, yeah, it makes me sad also that a lot of people go through cancer and go through things alone, either because they don't have the community or because they think no one wants to hear about this. I feel right. so ashamed. Right. What I've learned is the more vulnerably I share about my trials and tribulations, the more vulnerable other people are in their responses back to me and sharing their own trials and tribulations because we are all in the shit. That's what this life is. We're all playing in the playground of shit. We've all got it. It just is different flavors and different, you know, and different perspectives. And just like you say, regardless if you speak about it or not, everyone's going through it anyways. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we are actually relieving burden and relieving secrecy and isolation and shame and alleviating pain and alleviating grief by actually talking about it. And yeah. so I think not only have you done yourself a massive service by doing that, but also your yeah. friends, your family, your relatives yeah. and anyone in your extended community. Yeah. It's been, I mean, Erica, it has been a motherfucking journey, just these emails that I've written and and they are basically the backbone. I can't tell you how many responses I've gotten from people who are like, um, we're watching you write your book right now, right? Like this is going <laughs> to yeah. be turned into a book. And so eventually I was like, oh shit. Yeah. I should probably put these all in one place. And, you know, yeah. so now I've got this running Google doc of, and it's titled my village because it's my communication to my village. And so I've just got, you know, starting with the first one all the way down to the last one. And, wow. and it's been interesting because I'm sending these emails out, sharing about my retreat to Costa Rica, the saucy, sexy as fuck experience with my conservative Catholic (laughs) in-laws and, you know, like the people in my community, my teacher community that I used to be part of that are conservative, like everybody. And I, and I made the conscious choice. I was like, am I really going to send this email out? Oh, here we go. (laughs) I know Um, the feeling faith. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and and so it's just been this like beautiful, like deepening affirmation of myself, of the journey that I'm on in the face of people who probably won't get it, will judge it, um, will be concerned about it. We had a whole big old conversation over Christmas about my new profession and all of the things and, you know, interfacing with um, with deeply conservative people uh, on this topic was wow. It was talk about being a Jedi and being able to stand up for yourself in the face of, um, disaffirmation and disapproval to their credit. I could still feel their love even through this sort of like crunchiness of this one. But see, that's what builds family. That's what anchors community. That was, that is what bond is. And that is also what our culture is lacking right? Yeah. Being able to hold diverse conflicting opinions, being able to exercise uh, freedom of speech, but in respectful ways. And also knowing how to try titrate that because 
freedom of speech, in my opinion, doesn't mean that we should say whatever the fuck we want. It's like, no, in a family, we don't have freedom. My son doesn't have freedom of speech. Like I definitely control his speech. Like there are things (laughs) you do not say to me, right? Yeah. There are things I do not say to him or to my husband. And so, but it's how do we say things? How are we, how do we navigate that, that tender and, and fine line of like showing myself to the world, to the people that matter the most to me while still like maintaining, you know, window, mm-hmm. like within window of tolerance and then feeling like, mm-hmm. okay, this is disaffirmation, disapproval, yet feeling like I am unconditionally loved and accepted here. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that there's something extremely powerful with being able to interface with our, our opposites mm-hmm. in a way that's loving and and uh kind it's huge i mean i think it's a gift that i have conservative Mm, (laughs) in-laws you know um because otherwise i would never have that the ability to to engage with that you know way of thinking about the world and perspective um and it actually feels safe to talk about it with them because i know that they love me i know that they have this deep affection for me and that transcends our differences and transcends our disagreements. Um, and so the ability to kind of like dip my toes in the waters of feeling other people's um, rejection and sense of shame or concern feels really good to do that in a way that's like, oh, and it's also still surrounded by love. Yeah. You know, and um, that's a gift, even though in the moment it sometimes feels like, oh, fuck (laughs) for sure for sure well I mean hearing you share these things about how your relationships have deepened and evolved and how you have really I mean excelled and rebelled in a certain way but excelled and like expanded in your self-expression in 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 your erotic um authenticity and embodiment and so many areas of your life that have improved sparked or like initiated by the cancer no wonder your life is better and at the same time you are dealing with something that is hard and that brings up pain and grief and obviously Mm -hmm. change in body and um health and all of the things and big questions around you know there was big questions big questions yeah life and death Yeah. yeah Yeah. We're going to, so, and I would want to keep talking, but we're going to wrap up and come to um, a closure here. Is there, is there a, a final, a final piece you want to mention or say, or something that we haven't touched on? Well, I think sort of the thesis that I'm coming to is, is that we, we have autonomy in this in this life in this healing journey we we are able to to chart the courses that feel most resonant to us and having a cancer diagnosis or any any long term significant illness doesn't have to be doesn't have to put us in a passive role of victim um there's so much that's available to us along this journey to make it a hopeful one, you know, I mean, it's all going to end up at death anyway. 
it's not like, you know, <laughs> this is, there's some get out of jail free card. Like it's all, we're all going to die again. We're all just playing in this shit show together. Like none of us are exempt. Um, so how can we enjoy it to the best of our ability and to really like take control of our healing journey in a way that is responsible and aligned with who we are in this life and brings us back to that sense of wholeness, that sense of home, you know, like all of me is welcome. All of me matters. All of these things are vital to who I am and what I have to share in the world. So I just feel grateful that you invited me to join you here and to share this. It feels really, really wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. It feels very, very special. And I am, um, I'm pre-ordering your book. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's done. Or just like, you know, the Google I love Drive. It. I love Google it. Drive. Right. I'm going to show you uh, a picture that I, as I've got my sketchbook in front of me. And um, this is the one that's popping out at the moment. It's an wow. image of, um, an image of a vulva deep down into the earth with the roots connecting to the heart and then connecting to the brain. And just this idea of our, our brains, like we have, we have multiple brains in our bodies, you know, yeah, our gut, sure. our brain, our pussy. And so being able to, to be on this, this healing journey, not just with my mind, but also integrating my heart and then the depths of power and pleasure of my pussy. It's just a perfect trifecta. And the perfect way to end uh, this conversation. <laughs> Thank you, Faith, what you've shared and here on our conversation, but also in other containers in my programs where we've been, where I've had the honor to play mm. and dance and, you know, be immersed uh, in community with you um, has touched me deeply and moved me deeply. And it's been a healing conversation for myself, um, for, you know, I've, lived with I've lived through uh, cancer in my family with immediate family members and I was very young and so this conversation was healing for me in ways I didn't expect for that um mm. and this is that I mean this was 20 years ago more uh that, wow. that I lived through this with um my mother uh and and I'm sure everyone who who listens got something profound uh, and potent from this conversation because there are so many gems so much wisdom and so much just life emanating from you. So thank you for blessing us with all of that. And um, I bow in deep, deep honor and awe view of your, your will to live, to thrive. Uh, and I send you my deepest, deepest and most like profound healing energies received accepted and received thank yes. you so much thank, thank you. you all right bye my love <laughs> bye okay my friend that's it for today thanks for listening i hope you learned something new today or that i reminded you of something you already knew or do and that you feel inspired and encouraged to prioritize sex pleasure and orgasms in your busy life if you love this podcast, please share it with your friends and give it a rating or review so this important message can reach more people on this planet. Thank you so much for being here and I'll see you next time. Bye.